worthy of our praise this morning. Let's stand. Turn with us to page 58. Page number 58. Let's sing that chorus out together. Majesty. Sing it out with us. Page number 58. Majesty. Worship His majesty. the gospel of John this morning and I was kind of wondering about what verse I would maybe read this morning just to kind of begin our services and I think it'd be appropriate to read the last two verses in the gospel of John he says this this is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things and we know that his testimony is true and there are also many other things which Jesus did the which if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Well, he deserves to be glorified this morning. Amen. Sure glad you're here and want to welcome you to our morning services. Certainly those that are here uh, with us and maybe our guests uh, as well and those tuning in online, we're sure thankful uh, for that. do want to mention just a couple of things. Don't forget about the baby shower. Uh, for Miss Lizzie Parker that will be going on uh, Tuesday at 7 o'clock over in the Fellowship Hall. Ladies, don't forget about that. And then the men's recharge coming up Friday and Saturday of this week. Men will be leaving at noon, those that signed up for that. But it's good to be in God's house this morning. Amen. Brother Jim Wisdom, would you pray for us this morning? I ask you to remain standing if you're able and turn to page 286. Page number 286, saved by the blood. We'll sing all four verses this morning. There is no other way to be saved but by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's sing it out together on all four verses this morning. Saved by the blood of the crucified
something to smile about. Now, I can't see the choir. I'm trusting that you're keeping them honest and they're smiling. But I can't see you. We have something to be rejoicing about this morning if you know Christ as your Savior. So let's sing it out for His honor and glory this morning. All right, on that last verse, and smile and enjoy the salvation that you have through Jesus Christ. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Let's turn to page number 90. A new name written down in glory. If you know Christ as your Savior, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life this morning. Page number 290. I was once a sinner, but I came. Let's sing it out on all three verses this morning. I was once a sinner, but I came. Party to receive from my Lord. This was freely given, and I found. 
to read to you from Psalm 95. It says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Amen. Brother Jack Parker, would you pray for the offering this morning? Let's turn to page 238 for our last song this morning. Let's stand one last time, please. And can it be 
page number 238. We'll sing all four verses for our last song together. <coughs> sing it out on that first verse. And can it be?
Aren't you thankful that God loved you that much this morning? Praise the Lord. You may be seated. This time we'll have a special from Mrs. Watson and Mrs. Quinlan.
Jackson. Good stuff. A children's song that's good for us adults too. Amen. What a blessing. Enjoyed that uh, this morning. Well, again, it's certainly good uh, to be in the Lord's house and sure glad that you're here uh, this morning. Uh, this year, maybe your first time with us or hadn't been back or ha- hadn't been here uh, in a while. Uh, we've been preaching through the book of Revelation. It has certainly been a good study. And uh, certainly I hope that we will see uh, that uh, as well uh, this morning. So if you would, take your Bibles and turn with me uh, to the book of Revelation in chapter number 13. And if you're able, I want to ask if you'd stand in honor of the Word of God uh, this morning. We're going to just read some verses and then pray. And, uh, and Well, I'm going to read some verses and then I'm going to preach to you just for a minute. And then we'll pray, all right? You can sit back down. Uh, but now, you, you and I got to understand some things this morning as we, as we start Revelation uh, chapter number 13. Um, we, we have to be reminded this morning, and, and probably most of us know this, but, but the book of Revelation, and particularly chapter 6 all the way through chapter 18, it covers what, what you and I would call uh, the tribulation period. All right, now this is what we would say is that it's the 70th week or it's the seven-year period that is yet to be fulfilled in Daniel's prophecy, right? I'm just telling you, you can't study Revelation without studying the book of Daniel. But it's amazing to me how God's Word always goes together. And we'll even see some of that this morning. But we know this, that it's what the Bible calls... Uh, the Great Tribulation, it's also called Jacob's Trouble, and the reason for those things is because it is going to be a time of great judgment upon the earth like the world has never seen. All right, now I say that to say this, if you think things are bad now, you haven't seen anything yet. Or as we would say in the South, you ain't seen nothing yet, all right? But we also know this, it's called Jacob's Trouble because it's also God's time to deal with Israel who has rejected the Messiah who is Jesus Christ. All right, now I said all that to say this, that when you and I get into chapter 13, John begins to see this character called the beast. All right, now this would be the Antichrist that is going to rise into power during this tribulation period, this tribulation time. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So chapter 13, look at verse number 1. The Bible says this, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat in great authority. Now you understand that's talking about the dragon, the devil. He's the one behind the scenes kind of dictating things. I'm just telling you, 
It bothers me when the President of the United States begins to acknowledge things like, well, there's somebody else that's actually in control. Like that's happened twice recently. I don't care what political persuasion you are. I'm just saying to you, that kind of shows us that when world leaders are submitting themselves over to someone else behind the scenes running things, just kind of shows you that we're getting close. That was our, I'm just giving you already stuff that's already in my message. We'll get to it in a minute. Look at verse number 3. And I saw one of his heads, one of his heads as it were wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like unto the beast? And who is able to make war with him? Well, I'll tell you who is able. His name is Jesus Christ. So notice in verse 5, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God and to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle in them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the li- of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That'd be Jesus Christ again. And here's what it says. If any man have ear, have an ear, let him hear. You got an ear this morning? You better listen to this. Because here's what he says. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And we're going to stop right there. Now this is what, I'm just telling you, this is what you got to grab a hold of this morning. All of this, okay, all of this goes back to chapter number 11 In verse number 15, and if you'll go back there, I'll read that to you. It says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. See, this is the seventh trumpet, and this is the announcement of the return of the King, who is Jesus Christ. But what happens is this, is that chapters 12 and chapters 13 begin to show us the things that have to take place in order for this to come to pass. Now, we've already seen chapter 12, and what it shows us is Satan who is behind the scenes, the great red dragon, and he is working. But in chapter number 13, it begins to show us the Antichrist and the false prophet. This is the one world religious leader, the false prophet, and the one world 
political leader, which is the beast or the Antichrist. And I'm just telling you, my friend, this is what is amazing to me, is that where chapter 12 deals with the spiritual warfare behind the scenes, this chapter deals with the practical things that are going to take place, humanly speaking. Things in our government, things among world leaders. Is everybody getting this? See, this is what I'm telling This is why I believe that it ends the way that it does in verse number uh, 9, where it says, If a man have an ear, let him hear. In other words, the Word of God is showing us all of these things, and here is why. So that when we begin to see these things unfold, we can pay attention spiritually. We can make sure that our name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Meaning that we know Christ as our Savior. And meaning this, that we can make sure that we are right with God and we are living with God and we are serving God and we don't have one foot in the world and one foot in church and playing games with God. See, you get what I'm saying to you? Listen, my friend, these things are about to happen. He that hath an ear, pay attention. I'm just telling you, mercy, it's getting close. And right now is not the time to be wondering whether or not you're saved or to be unfaithful or to be goofing off in this wicked world. Now's the time to know Christ as our Savior and to be living for Him. And that's what you and I are going to see when we expose the beast this morning. Amen. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Bless the preaching of it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In 1870, a bishop in a church overheard someone say that they believed in less than 50 years that men would fly through the air like birds. That bishop later stood in the pulpit and preached and warned the people of such outrageous and blasphemous ideas. He said, flight is reserved for the angels. And 33 years later, his two sons, Wilbur and Orville Wright, would launch their first aircraft. Just goes to show pastor's kids don't pay attention to the preaching right there. That's what, that, that's what I was thinking about. An internal Western Union memo in 1876 said, This telephone has too many shortcomings and is, 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 to seriously be considered as a means of communication. This device has no value to us. Thomas Watson, who was chairman of IBM in 1943, said, I think that the world, that in the world there may be a market for maybe five computers. Ken Olson, president, chairman, and founder of Digital Equipment, said in 1977, there is no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. Now the reason I'm reading you these things this morning is to get you to understand that when it comes to what the future holds, man doesn't have a clue. But I'm just telling you, my friend, we have the Bible this morning. And the Bible begins to show us things from His Word that begins to help us to understand that there are some things that are 
going to, to come to pass. I'm just telling you this morning, God's word is true. And when God says that it will happen, we'll mark it down, it is going to take place. And I, I think of the book of Daniel, and we'll get over there in just a minute, but where it's amazing where God would allow Daniel to see the great empires of the world like Persia and Greece and, and Rome. And now you and I are on the other side of history, if you will, as to what Daniel was seeing. But you and I can look back and see what Daniel was allowed to see. And we can see this, that God's word was spot on, my friend. God's word is always true. But as you and I begin to look at future and things to come, we must also issue the same warning when it comes to the religious realm. Because over the years, foolish men have attempted to make predictions and things such as the rapture of the saints. I remember years ago pastoring there in Cassville, Missouri, and, and a man at that time had tried to predict the date of the rapture, and then of course the date came and passed, and we were all still here, and so he apologized because he got the date wrong. To which I said, well, duh, because get in the book. Because even Jesus would say in Matthew 24 and verse 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. My friend, if he hasn't told Michael the archangel who's going to sound the trumpet, what makes you think he's going to tell you? We've even had people try to predict who the Antichrist will be. Those are always fun. I remember, I think it was just a couple of years ago, and we were down doing something in the school there. Actually, I was in my office at first, and the guy, this guy called me, and he began to introduce himself that he was an evangelist and wanted to invite himself to our church to preach, to which I don't work that way. If God's got your number, he knows how to dial it, man. I'm just telling you, I just, I'm not interested in that kind of stuff, and so... Uh, you know, I was cordial to him and nice, and we got off the phone, and I walked downstairs and began to, uh, was talking, I think, with Brother Eric or something about the school, and the phone went off again. I went into the school office and answered the phone. It's the same guy, and he said, hey, Pastor, I just, I wanted to ask you, do you would you mind if I just maybe spend a little time with you and explain to you why, pre why I think President Donald Trump is the Antichrist? To which I said, no, you're an idiot, and I have better things to do. Well, I said it in the love of Jesus. And I hung up the phone. I, listen, I, I'm just, well, what I'm trying to get across to you this morning is this, is that whether it be in the secular realm or in the religious realm, men can be very foolish when it comes to end-time things, and you and I need to be warned of that. But at the same time, you and I better also understand some very clear principles on some things like this. One of those is this, God's Word is true. And I'm just telling you, my friend, if God said it, it will come to pass. But the second thing is this, though we may not understand things in great detail, that also doesn't mean we walk around in ignorance because we can see some things that are taking place and see some things that are beginning to line themselves up 
with the Word of God. And so we can see those things. And the third thing would be this. When we see those things, they ought to get our spiritual attention. And that's really what is brought out in our text this morning when it comes to this subject or this character that we see that John is allowed to see the beast here. If you, if, if you remember through the messages of Revelation, I've often, I've often compared the tribulation period to, to a rock being thrown in the water. And I know that's a, that's a silly illustration, but yet at the same time, I think probably all of us as kids or, or whatever have taken a rock and thrown it into a pond or, or into a lake. And, and when you see that big splash where the rock hits the water, we know that from that splash, big ripples uh, begin to, to, to form, and they begin to flow out from that. And the further they get away from that splash, the smaller they get, but the closer to the splash, the bigger they get, and more closely resemble to where the rock hit the water and made the big splash to begin with. Does everybody get what I'm saying? Well, what I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that if we could say it like this, the tribulation period is where the rock hits the water. So that means the closer that we get, well, the closer or, or, or the larger the ripples get, so to speak, meaning this, the more and more things become like what's going to take place in the tribulation period. Things begin to set up for the Word of God to be carried out. And what I believe is this, is that when you and I begin to look at the beast this morning, we're going to see some things that I'm just telling you, it should get our spiritual attention, which is why the Word of God ends this paragraph the way that it does. Let him that has an ear, let him hear and pay attention spiritually. So number one this morning, I want us to see the personality of, of this beast. Now, let me say this. We, we've already been introduced to him somewhat back in Revelation 6. Well, that's an awesome passage. I mean, because that's where Jesus Christ has been found worthy. And he comes and takes the book out of him, the right hand of him that sitteth on the throne. Oh, son. And he begins to open the, the seven seals on that book. And the Antichrist is the first of the four horsemen of the apocalypse in verse 2 that, that comes forth. And if you remember, he is riding a white horse. And the reason for that is because that's the same color horse of Jesus Christ in Revelation 19. Why is that? Well, that means this. He's an imposter Messiah. But, but also this. He comes with a bow and no arrow, which represents peace, yet his true intention, it says, is to go forth conquering and to conquer. That just shows you, my friend, that he is deceptive he is a liar, and here's why. Because he is of his father, the devil. But beginning in verses 1 through 8 of what John begins to see here, we see some more things. Notice in verse number 1, he says, I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Now, let me say this. The word beast does not... It does not describe his appearance. Rather, his character. 
You understand, you got, remember, Satan is described in the scriptures as an angel of light. Meaning this, he's very beautiful to look upon. That, that's part of his deception. Come on, he's, he's not wearing a red suit with, with, with horns on it and holding a pitchfork. That's the way the devil works, my friend. You, you understand, rather he's appealing to the eyes, but yet he walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, what I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that the Antichrist follows suit in that same regard. But notice what it says here. In verse 1 he says, I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea. So the first thing that I see here is this, is that he will arise out of the sea. What does that mean? Well, if you remember from last week's message and, and the flood that would end chapter 12, I said this, I said, water often represents people in the book of Revelation. Well, here we see that same principle, and, and really this is seen all throughout the Scriptures. I, I, don't, I don't have time to wait for you to, to turn to these passages, so if you would just listen for a minute. In Isaiah 17 and verse 12, it says this, Woe to the multitude of many people which make a noise like the noise of the seas. Um, Jeremiah 6.23 compares them to a roaring sea. He says, Their voice roareth like the sea. Isaiah 57.20 compares them to a troubled sea. He says, The wicked are like the troubled sea. Now, if you've been around an ocean, like I have, being born and raised in the panhandle of Florida, then you know this. The crashing of waves and the constant sound that an ocean makes, it bears resemblance to that of a crowd of people. But here's what you got to grab a hold of. Please, please listen to this. It's not just a crowd of people standing around. It is a crowd of people making noise. Meaning this, they are troubled. They are roaring. Is everybody catching this? Does everybody get what I'm saying to you? That's why he says that he will arise out of the sea. See, there, what, what he's saying here is this, is that the beast is going to rise up in a time of crisis. He is going to rise to power by proclaiming that he has all the answers to everyone's problem. And what I'm trying to get across to you this morning is to say this, Aren't we in those times? Folks, we are living in a time of crisis. Man, I feel like half of you are just zoned out this morning. And you've got to grab a hold of this. Because I'm telling you, listen, I could sit here this morning and talk about wars and rumors of wars. That stuff's been going on for decades. I, I could talk about Earthquakes in diverse places. I mean, man, we saw one in the news this past week out in California. Well, it's California, duh. It's the fault line. And we, we could talk about a whole host of things, but my friend, never in my lifetime have I ever seen the entire world being brought together and placed in a crisis like I have with coronavirus. I'm just, 
Now's not the time for you to be spacing out. Now's the time for you to pay attention spiritually. Because this is the stuff that we're seeing that is taking place. And it is setting up for, for the Antichrist to, to, to come on the scene. And you, you think about the, the financial crisis that has exploded over it. Well, preacher, I mean, we're in America and we've got our government to take care of us. Puke. And I, I'm just, listening. the death that has been brought from it in the way that it has been used politically for people to gain power. And the other thing that I see is how it has exposed a host of people that claim to know Christ as their Savior. It is absolutely crazy right now what is happening with men of God across our country and across the entire world. And even the people of God. And I'm, listen, listen, I'm just telling you, that this is all, this is just from my heart, please understand this, but we, have got, we are watching as men are using this time to reveal themselves and to move away from the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. We, we are watching men fall out of the ministry because they are getting involved in all kinds of wickedness and pornography and sin. And I know this has been going on for a while, but the reality is it's even become more so right now. Because people aren't learning how to deal with their problems and their issues by trusting in God. And people, even people of God, I'm talking about God's people that are in the pews, are, are turning away from the faith and living according to fear. And we've even watched, we have even watched as God has called good men home. And I think about John, Brother John Quinlan this, this past week, our missionary in the Philippines, gone to heaven. But you understand he's not the only good man that God's called home. And there are a host of churches that are without pastors because God has called them home. What, what, what are you trying to say, preacher? What, what I'm trying to tell you is this, is that, listen to me, I'm telling you, the devil is using this stuff to set up bringing his man on the scene. Is everybody catching this? And this is the other thing. Please grab a hold of this. We are living in a time where people are looking to their government for all the answers. We have made politicians celebrities and gods. And we want them to fix everything. And while I understand the role of government in our lives, please listen to this, there is a balance. I don't want more government. I want less. I don't want more taxes. I want less. If you want more taxes, go bang your head on the concrete out there. Maybe some sense will get back into you. But the predominating mindset among men is this. We want our leaders to fix us. And what I'm saying to you is that this worldwide crisis and this worldwide mindset among men is creating an atmosphere for the Antichrist to rise for power or rise to power all he needs right now is the cure for the coronavirus. Wait a minute, I thought we had a vaccine. Well, it's not really a vaccine. 
If it was, how come you got to keep having them? And how come you keep getting it even if you've had it? Oh, isn't it amazing how they just slip that little lie in on you? No, it's just a flu shot, my friend. Get over it. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that all he needs to do is have a cure, and then everything will go back to normal. All you got to do is take his mark. I'm just... And since the government can force you to take a shot, they can force you to take the mark. Is anybody not seeing this this morning? You, you want let me, let me, this ain't even in my message. You want me to help you with something? You want to know what the answer is? It's Jesus Christ. You, you want to know what the answer that man needs? It's Jesus Christ. You want to know what will bring peace in your heart and life and in your mind? It's Jesus Christ. You want to know what will give you the forgiveness of sin and eternal life? It's Jesus Christ. Listen to me. This world will come and go. It is temporal. Governments will come and go. Kings will rise up and kings will sit down. But there is a King of kings and Lord of lords. And His name is Jesus Christ. And that is the answer that man needs. That is what man needs. Let me move on though because i got a lot. Because here's the other thing. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. It says, and, he, and I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns and upon his horns ten crowns and upon his heads the, the name of blasphemy and the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard and his feet were as the feet of a bear and his mouth as the mouth of a lion and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And what I believe you see right here is this, is that he will ascend to power through government. I want you to hold your place here in Revelation 13, and I want you to go with me to the book of Daniel in chapter number 7. Daniel chapter number 7. I want you to watch this. Daniel chapter number 7. Hope you got your Bibles. You ought to watch this. Look at verse number 1. It says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. Well, that's interesting. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse from one another. Now watch this. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made made stand upon upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given unto it. Now, This is what I believe this is speaking of here. The lion represents the Babylonian empire. The eagle's wings being plucked and a new heart, a man's heart being given to it speaks of God dealing with Nebuchadnezzar, bringing him to a place of humility and brokenness where he would lose his mind and all of those things. And then I believe Nebuchadnezzar got right with God. 
Sin, Daniel chapter 4. You can read his testimony. But look at verse number 5. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear. And it raised itself up, raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And they said, Thus unto it arise, devour much flesh. Now the bear speaks of the Persian Empire. Most people know that the Persian Empire started with an alliance between the Medes and the Persians. It was called the Medo-Persian Empire. However, it would eventually come to become the Persian Empire and the Medes would basically be taken over. And this is symbolized by the bear rising up on one side and having three ribs in his mouth. Look at verse number 6. After this I beheld and lo another like a leopard which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads and dominion was given to it. The leopard speaks of the Grecian Empire. The leopard is a swift animal. Having wings on its back makes it even faster. Alexander the Great led the Grecian Empire in a swift conquering over the then known world. The four heads and dominion given to them symbolizes how Alexander's early death led to the Grecian Empire being divided into four parts to his four generals. And though Daniel lived through the Babylonian Empire into the Persian Empire, this was written 300 years before it ever happened. Seems like I said earlier, the Word of God is true. Then look at verse number 8, or verse number 7, excuse me. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth that devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. It speaks of the Roman Empire. Notice it is not described by a familiar animal. It is simply a beast that describes its monstrous destruction. Its iron teeth speaks of how Rome would trample and stamp out the residue of the previous empires. But notice verse number 8. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things." Now, I do believe this is dealing with Antiochus Epiphanes. But I also believe this is dealing with the Antichrist, who is going to ascend to power through an old Roman Empire-type government. Go with me to verse 23 of the same chapter. It says, Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, 
and another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first. He shall subdue three kings, and he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of times. That is the exact same language of Revelation chapter 12. What I'm saying to you is this, is that this speaks directly to our text in Revelation. Daniel saw what John sees some 650 years earlier. And again, the Word of God is true. Go back with me to Revelation 13. You still with me? Watch this. Look at Revelation 13. Look at verse number 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and his horns ten crown, and, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Obviously, the ten horns represent ten kings. Seven heads are mentioned because three of those kings will be subdued. They'll probably be killed because they won't be wanting to go along with the Antichrist and give over their power. But regardless, he will receive ten crowns. He will probably proclaim himself a god. Thus the names of blasphemy mentioned at the end of the verse. Look at verse number 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. The lion, the bear, the leopard. Wow. Really? I'm saying to you, that's pretty amazing. And that there's the dragon, the beast with a capital B, giving him his power, and he is the Antichrist, and he is called the beast, just like the Roman Empire of Daniel chapter 7. In fact, if you go back to Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 3, it says, And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, the great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. Notice the resemblance. He's just like his father, Satan. What, what I'm trying to say to you is this, is that the Antichrist is going to rise to power out of some type of an old Roman-style government that will have been given authority over the entire world. Can you not see things like that today in like the United Nations? Or NATO? And that they're using things like climate change? I hope it does change because I want summer all the time in Kansas. But it's a bunch of baloney. But let me tell you something else they're going to use. The coronavirus and whatever else thing come down the pipeline. You know why? Because we are living in an anti-God, anti-Christ world. And the devil is looking to set things up to bring his man on the scene. I'm just, listen, we are seeing it today. 
We, we, don't, we don't understand the details and how all of this stuff works, but regardless, we can see the world becoming smaller and smaller. We can see globalization. It is a desire among most world governments and leaders and even people on the earth. Look at verse number 3. Because here's something else he's going to do. He's going to try to imitate Jesus Christ. It says, And I saw one of his heads, as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. The Antichrist is going to be wounded to death, but then healed. It will, almost, it will most likely be a head wound, and this is going to exalt him among the people It is going to make him sympathetic to all of his followers. But it's also the devil's way of trying to imitate Jesus Christ. You and I got to understand, friend, that the devil seeks to steal away the glory of God. And the way in which he does that is trying to imitate God. He has his churches. He has his preachers. He has his versions of the scriptures. He has his false gospels. And let me tell you something. He has his own trinity. Satan is the father. The beast is his antichrist. And the false prophet that we'll see in the next part of this, that's his attempt at the Holy Spirit of God. And the point is this. He is going to have his antichrist try to imitate what the Lord Jesus Christ did in the death and the burial and the resurrection. But note, it's only an imitation. It says, he is wounded to death, but he doesn't literally die. He is healed. Giving the appearance. Giving the appearance that he rises from the dead, but he's not really dead. Do you know why that is? Because Satan doesn't have the power to give life. Only God does. See, this is what my God did. He sent his son. Not to deceive man, but to die for the sins of mankind. And he died upon the cross of Calvary. He was buried for three days to prove that he did in fact literally die. Oh, but on the third day, he rose in power and victory, proving that he is truly the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. And my friend... He and He alone is the only one that bears the authority to give eternal life. Make no mistake, friend. Make no mistake. All roads do not lead to heaven. Mary cannot give you life. The Pope cannot give you life. Some work you do cannot give you life. Mohammed and Buddha and, and whoever else under the sun... They are all still dead and in the ground, but there is one that rose from the dead, and his name is Jesus Christ. And neither is there salvation in any other. His name is Jesus Christ. What a blessing. In fact, let me show you what his ambition is. Look at verses 4 through 8. And they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worship the beast saying, who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him. 
And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God and to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given to him to make war with the saints and overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations and they and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the life of Lamb of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. See, this is his ambition. He wants Satan to be worshipped. He wants to blaspheme God in the name of Jesus Christ. He wants to blaspheme God's house. He wants to blaspheme the promise of heaven and eternal life. Even the saints that dwell in heaven, which speaks of the heritage that they left behind, and instead of receiving that heritage and being thankful, the Antichrist wants to trample on it. Which is exactly what men of God are doing today. Antichrist. He's going to make war with the saints of God during the tribulation period. He is a pawn of Satan from the previous chapter. He will be used to make war with the saints and to try to stamp them off the face of the earth. His ambition is why many believers during the dark ages thought several Roman emperors were the Antichrist. They were burned alive at the stake. They were buried alive. They were drowned. They were beheaded. They were banished. All because they believed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And things are going to be eerily similar during the tribulation period. But again, can we not see these things beginning to set up? Satan is being worshipped. I remember a few years ago when they said that Wiccans were now allowed in our nation's military to be chaplains. You understand what a Wiccan is? That's a demonic religion. Wicked. It's witchcraft. But yet the same government wants to tell us that we can't take Bibles into the Walter Reed Hospital to give to our soldiers that have been wounded. That's Antichrist. And now you have the so-called Church of Satan trying to set up demonic monuments on government properties while at the same time the same government wants to banish the Ten Commandments from the Word of God. Things like, thou shalt not kill. Wouldn't kill us to listen to that one. But it's because it's anti-God. Anti-Christ. You might get what I'm saying? Even the name of Jesus is being blasphemed. High school valedictorians can stand up and take God's name in vain and blaspheme the name of Christ in their speeches. But God forbid if one of them claim Him as their Savior and talk about how He changed their life. Oh no, you can't say those things. That is anti-Christ. The house of God is being blasphemed. You can go to school, you can go to Walmart, you can go to Home Depot, you can go to the restaurants, you can go to the stadium and watch your ball games, but don't go to church, that's a super spreader. Let let me tell you what's essential, and it ain't a stinking ball game. It's the house of God. 
Somebody say amen. I'm just telling you, my friend, that's, you understand, that's, that, and, and here's the thing. Some of God's people are buying into it. Well, you know, I can worship God at home. Well, yeah, you should be worshiping God at home. But if you're refusing to come to the house of God, you're in disobedience to the Word of God. And you're buying into fear, and you're buying into the Antichrist mentality, and you don't even realize it. It's all setting up. John said this also. 1 John 2.18 Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists. Whereby we know it is the last time. And John said that almost 2,000 years ago. I'm thinking we're closer than John was. But yet we got people going. Which is why he says what he says. In verse number 8, or verse number 9. If a man, any man, have an ear... Everybody got at least one ear. Then let him hear. You know what that means? That means this. Wake up. Well, I'm awake. Not physically. Spiritually. In fact, he goes on to say this in verse number 10. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Which basically at the end there, when he talks about the patience and faith of the saints, means this, the Word of God is going to be carried out. But you know what that first part is talking about? It's saying this, you need to recognize the demise of the Antichrist. What it's basically saying is this. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. <laughs> you, you, listen, you, you're going to lead people into captivity, you'll go into captivity. You, you're going you're gonna to live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. Guess what? You know what's going to happen to the Antichrist? Oh sure, he's going to be used to the devil. And he's going to go to war against Jesus Christ. And he's going to lose. In fact, Daniel chapter 7 talks about it. I don't have time to go there. So does Revelation chapter 20. See, he's going to be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. Everybody catching this? But that's why it's warning us and saying this. If you go that route, that's where you end up. In fact, that's why he says what he says in verse number 8. He says, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life and of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Do you know what that means? That means this. 
If you want to avoid ending up where he ended up, he's going to end up, then you need to have your name written down in the book of life. Amen. How do you do that? Well, it's kind of like what Paul preached. Repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the gospel is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's the true Messiah. And the only way a man can be saved is when he humbles himself and comes to him by faith. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you know what I find? I find that the reason the Lord points this stuff out and brings this stuff up in the Word of God is because that's the tendency of people to spiritually slumber. And I don't know how you can in our day and time. I don't know how you can sit there and watch the things that we're watching and go, I I don't understand that. My friend, you're on dangerous ground. That's right. I remember years ago, and, I, and I've given this story before, and I, but I'm going to give it again. I don't care. Amen. Because you need to listen to this. I, I remember I was preaching through the book of Revelation when I was pastoring in Cassville. And this was back, I want to say in like 2012. And mercy, I mean, the stuff I'm seeing right now. This is like a completely different message than what I preached. Because we're seeing stuff now like we've never seen before. But I can remember we were, at the time, we, we, had a, we had a cricket problem. I hate crickets. I mean, they're great fish bait. Catch a lot of brim on crickets. But I don't like them. And so we had a guy, an exterminator guy, come out, and he came from Springfield. We were about, we were about 60 miles away from Springfield. So he came from Springfield, and he was spraying our, our property and stuff, and then he was spraying around on the inside of the building. Well, he got done. And he came in and he sat down in my office and he was sitting across from my desk and he was writing up his bill and stuff. And I was actually in the, uh, at the time was preparing to preach in Revelation and I had my Bible sitting open on my desk. And so he's writing and he's kind of looking at my desk and he's writing and he's looking and he's writing. And he finally looks at me and goes, Preacher, are you preaching through the book of Revelation? And I said, Yes, sir, I am. And he starts going, Man, as you know, he said, I'm, and he starts telling me about us. He, he, was, he was brought up in church, but he wasn't in church anymore. And he started talking about, man, I mean, I'm seeing the sign of the times and things. And, well, you know, really, I need to get back in church. And I said, yeah, man, you do. I said, you need to know Christ as your Savior, and you need to get back in the house of God because we're not far off from these things. And I said, you know what? I know you live in Springfield, and, and I had, we had. Uh, we were, uh, we, I, had a, I had in my office, I had some old, some tracks from Berean Baptist Church where I trained for the ministry there in Spring. So I opened up my desk and I gave my track. I said, hey, you need to go, you need to go to Berean Baptist Church. You need to, they're on the north side of Springfield, right? You need to go visit them and see them and, and go. And he said, man, you know what I am? I'm going to get back in church. I need to get back in and I need to get going and I need to. And I said, awesome. A couple of months later, I was actually scheduled to preach at Berean Baptist Church. I came in and I said, hey, I said, have you guys seen this guy come in? And I began to describe the guy that was at our building and was doing the exterminant. They said, no, we hadn't, we hadn't seen him come by. He never showed up. As far as I know, he never got back in the house of God. He never got back in the room. Well, what I'm trying to say to you is this. Watch this. Here's a guy who could spiritually see some things going on. But he didn't do anything with it. And what I'm saying to you is this, 
That's what we're seeing a whole lot of people doing right yeah. now. This isn't given to just give us a bunch of cool knowledge. Go talk about it at work tomorrow. Knowledge puffeth up. You know why this is given? It's given so that you that are listening, including myself, will spiritually wake up. And we will begin to examine ourselves, number one, and say this, hey, am I in the faith? Do I know Christ as my Savior? Because if you're not, today needs to be the day of salvation. But number two, we need to be asking ourselves, am I ready? I mean, listen, it could happen right now. I mean, I could go home, eat my lunch, eat my ice cream because fasting from sweets is over, and Jesus could come, and hopefully he waits till after the ice cream. Amen, I don't... I'll take it before, amen, I don't care, I'm ready. But I don't know if we have service or not. What what I'm saying, listen, what's going to happen when he shows up? Are you ready? Or you got one foot in the world and one foot in the church and you're just playing games and cutting loose and doing your thing and now listen, preacher, that's cool, that's what... No, you need to wake up. Because you're not where you need to be. And if He comes, you're not ready. And that's why these things are given. I'm just telling you, my friend, listen, we're close and we're close, close. And I don't want to get there. And be going around and going, hey, Brother Quinlan, I don't, I don't see Sister So-and-so. Where, where is she at? And come to find out she wasn't really saved. Uh-huh. And where's Brother So-and-so at? And come to find out they weren't really saved. You better make sure and you better be ready. Yeah. Let's all stand.